What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 144 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. This episode is brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and joining me, as always, is my fabulous co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, are you fully recovered from TwitchCon now? No. No, I'm not. Not not only am I not fully recovered, I think I'm worse off than I was last week. Did you jump uh, the styrofoam pit? I, I definitely did not jump in that styrofoam pit. I, I walked past it mul- multiple times, and I was like, mm, I think I'm going to go ahead and skip that, and I'm glad I did. I already uh, break I, my back streaming. You want me to do it for real? It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, just the madness of that, and not only that, but like multiple people were hurt uh, You know, at that pit. I don't know how it stayed open after the first person got hurt, you know, so that is, and, and again, I know I've seen, I've, I saw that there's an update from uh, Adriana uh, Chechik, and uh, it, it, I mean, she's going through physical therapy now. I can't even imagine, especially something like with your back and having to do physical. I, I had physical therapy on my finger, um, and that was some of the most painful thing. I was like, listen, it was listen, if Disney can continue to run the Matterhorn for 25 years without it ever being shut down for health concerns, then I'm pretty sure a styrofoam <laughs> ball pit is not high on the priority list. <laughs> Other than that, though, I mean, last week was crazy work-wise. Um, it was good. I did pick up Dragon Ball Z. The Breakers came out. Oh, uh, yeah. So that- I, yes. Wait, that's, it, I'm trying to remember what the, the game base is. Is it Dead by Daylight or what's the one that yes, started? Yes, it's an okay. asymmetrical. It's it's 1v7. Yeah. Uh, I played the beta. In the beta, I had a blast playing in the beta. I was like, yeah, it's like 20 bucks too. It's, like, it's not even that bad. I, I am so excited for people who like Dragon Ball Z that have always wanted to be. I, I love the concept, first of all, because you have all the Budokai games. You have all of the, yes. the lore games where you get to play as the super powerful characters. But I remember some of my favorite parts of of games as a kid was when you would do these games with your friends where you're all basically running from something super powerful. Like I remember doing if this is showing my age, but if you ever played uh, Tales of Symphonia, when you did like the Mm -hmm. bonus boss, he had like this arena wide meteor attack that would take you out in two hits. And every time he did it, my friend and I who were doing co-op would basically scream and run around the arena trying to dodge everything. And that is the essence that I can feel from this game of you are spending just as much time trying to formulate a plan as you are running around like a chicken with its head cut off going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God, I, I hope people have a blast playing that game. Yeah, it's it's really good. And I think uh, and I, I haven't had a, I, I, I bought it, but I haven't had a chance to hop back into it. But I think it's it's going to be cross play uh, as well. So it doesn't okay. matter where you got it. Yeah, everybody will be able to play together, which is going to be fantastic. <laughs> so I'm excited to get down on that. I also picked up Stranded uh, okay. um, Alien Dawn, which is like kind of like a city building uh, simulation type game. Yep. I, that's like my secret love of uh like I, I play that offline and whatnot so um that's and that's an early access now as well so that was really good uh other than that though i i try to keep it chill uh we did have uh there's another meetup out here uh where i met up some with some other streaming friends as oh, cool. well and they had a little thing so that was super cool all in all it's a fantastic weekend but i am still recovering i'm <laughs> i am still sluggish uh but we'll get there we'll get there so how about you man how was your how was your weekend Lucas? 
my weekend was good. Uh, I spent more time with Splatoon. Uh, I started nice. replaying Inside just to get some spooky games uh, going in, in honor of October. Uh, I'm yes. going to... I'm going to replay until dawn and get my revenge and keep everybody alive, including uh, Hayden's character, which I still am haunted by that I couldn't keep her alive the first time. So it's going to happen this time. (laughs) But enough about us. We are joined by a very special guest who you've already heard from. (laughs) You've heard him in a variety of games, Uh, everything from Gunvolt 3 to Breath of the Wild to The Last of Us Part 2. Too, and I, the rest of the episode could be listing some of the other amazing credits. Sean Chiplock joins us. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? Thank you for joining us on Land Parties. I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little sad that you didn't mention my favorite role, which is when I played a background character in my high school production of uh, Little Orphan Annie. But you know what? I'll let it, <laughs> yeah. I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. I, you know, sometimes it's important that we keep ourselves humble. No, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, uh, I am someone who always loves keeping their nose to the grindstone. And I'm so grateful to have had all the opportunities that I've had so far and the ones that are coming down the pipeline that I can't quite divulge any info about yet. I did not go to TwitchCon, but I am over the age of 30, so my back is pretty much effectively broken anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm glad to be here, and thank you very much for making the time for me. We are glad to have you, and we can't wait to jump in, but we're just going to touch on a quick news item. Uh, not good news, of course. Uh, we got the news over the weekend, uh, just on Sunday, that G4 is shutting down, and Honestly, I mean, Ryan, you and I had talked about this offline. Not a surprise given some of the recent developments uh, that through layoffs uh, and uh, uh, other key departures prior to that. But it is always bad news. They, there's a lot of talented people that were, that were working at G4, and I'm sure they're going to land on their feet and find new opportunities. But, you know, a lot of us uh, gamers of a certain age have very fond memories of G4. So it's always sad to see the kind of revival attempt not work out. And uh, it's never a good day to see people lose their jobs. So it's it's we live in, in a rough, rough business, the media business. And, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes things like this come up, come about and uh, just send our best wishes to everybody. But Ryan, um probably not a shocker given some of the recent uh things we were seeing yeah it, it's it really is and 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 really i i just feel like the, the difficult part is that from when g4 originally launched to this day and age now so much has changed there's so much content out there you can access you know you can access content on your phone on your computer tv wherever and that traditional broadcast mentality just doesn't exist anymore so unfortunately i feel like a g4 tv just didn't it it, there just just wasn't really a a a place for it there's i mean obviously there were some other issues there as well but having that traditional i miss that that we have that traditional uh uh feel in the traditional broadcast uh where we're talking about games and 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 entertainment they're talking about entertainment and and things of that nature but i just didn't see any longevity in it based off of 
what the climate is today and how consumers are consuming their media. Um, it, it's unfortunate to see that. And again, like you said, I, I know I've got some people that uh, uh, I've got some friends. I got some people. I've got some friends uh, that work. I don't have people, uh, but I've got some friends that that work over there. And uh, you know, it's it's always unfortunate when when um, people are losing their jobs and and have to look. But again, I I hope that they are super proud of what they put together, the work that they put in, because there's a lot of work. A lot of people, you know, they look at the people that are in front of the camera and uh, and are on the show, but there's a ton of people that are behind the scenes, writing scripts, going over reviews, uh, you know, know, uh, going behind the cameras, directing, all kinds of other things. So you're talking about a lot of people that are are not going to, you know, they're going to have to be looking for work, which I'm, I'm sure, too, because it's a lot of talented folks that are over there and that we're working at show. So they'll be able to hopefully uh, find work relatively easy. Uh, it's just unfortunate. And I think I mean, you you, you mentioned this too, uh, Lucas, that uh, uh, was it Ben. Ben also had issues as well. And, and something about when they tried taking gaming and putting it putting it into a more traditional um, format. I, I don't know. They, they they just haven't seemed to find what that good fit is and what's going to be compelling enough to keep people returning and going there and, and checking stuff out. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some other iteration of something coming back and, and them trying to break into this more traditional broadcast slot. Uh, but it, it's just, I, I, I don't even know where you, where you go with it. And I guess the things that were done now and, and what was done back then that was so like, oh my gosh, did you see G4 TV? Like it was, it was crazy. Like nowadays I feel like people are even more desensitized, uh, to things anyway. So it's either you go to a super extreme and you're doing crazy stuff or you find a format and you find something. And, and really too, it's about building that community and, and getting people. It's like, you know, I can't find this kind of content anywhere else. Uh, back in the day, nowadays you can find that content and, and production values of the same standards on YouTube. So it's, it's really tough to try to thrive. I feel in a traditional broadcast sense uh, for for games and entertainment. So regardless, it's unfortunate. I, I think the writings have been on the walls. We, they've had a couple layouts beforehand. Um, there was the, I, I know it was really off-putting um, for a lot of people um, as far as the uh, uh, the speech that happened at the at the beginning with Frost, um, it, you know, so I, I just felt like there were a number of things that, had a negative effect on it, but I think this was going to be the inevitable outcome um, regardless. But I, I still think, and I appreciate the fact that they at least took a stab at it, went for it, tried to do something, and hopefully others then are able to learn and 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 kind of take the mistakes and see the mistakes that were made and things that didn't work, things that did work, and then apply that to something else in the future. I I I think also it's also just a natural course of of the evolution of the genre. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when G four first began, I would almost state that it kind of in the same way that Dungeons and Dragons used to be kind of like a niche underground thing mm-hmm. that like if there was any one uh, uh, major resource for it, like that would have eyes on it from everyone. I would almost say that G four kind of existed or started out at a time when 
you know, gaming was widely known, but there wasn't anything specifically dedicated to like gaming culture, to like being right. a gamer. And it, it, it almost worked in a sense where G4 not only embraced the concepts that made gaming so fun, but also made fun of them as a member of its own community. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can find the most passionate members of any community by finding the people who shit on their own community because it's like, because <laughs> I love it so much, I'm willing to bring up the parts that make me cringe, you know? Right. And so G4 was kind of this repository for people who loved gaming, who wanted like honest reviews about upcoming games. And what happens now, or what I feel is the major difference is nowadays, a lot of the things that G4 specifically provided a hub for, we can now find in other places. If you're interested mm-hmm. in game reviews, you can watch people playing those games live via Twitch and get a, you know, a raw experience instead of just hearing the words from someone else's mouth. You can look at it from the corporate sense of, okay, well, maybe we're making fun of this game and talking about how much or, you know, what parts of it we don't like. But now the people uh, responsible for publishing that game aren't really big fans of having their product, you know, talked down about, even if it's in a comedic sense. So now there's pressure for us to always be, you know, talking up the games that we bring on our show. But it was that willingness to be frank and at times brutal that people appreciated about it. So because that specialization was no longer unique to that program, because people could now go to other places on the web, uh, you know, whether it be Twitch or somewhere else, for gaming culture experiences, what made G4 special was no longer unique anymore. And, And that helped contribute to the fact of we're not getting the viewership we need anymore. We're not, you know, being seen as as the industry leader anymore that we would rather put this money towards something else as long as we don't have the same poll that we used to have. So I agree with you when you say that the writing was on the wall, even though I don't necessarily think it was, you know, a, an act of sabotage. I do think on right. some level G4 ran its course and and while it was hoping to get a revival that Adult Swim got, it didn't quite offer as much uniqueness as Adult Swim continues to offer in its its uh its section of the media industry. And so it just it was a matter of time. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, too. It's when you're when you have a big corporation that's backing you, there's certain metrics and numbers that you have to hit. If you're not hitting those things, then you can it, it's going to be a wrap sooner or later. So it just yeah, I I, I think that, uh, you know, like you're like you're saying, Sean, it, it, it ran its course already. And it was great seeing it come back, but it wasn't there wasn't enough there that people could get and say, hey, I have to I have to watch this episode or you can't miss this episode or or you're hearing people, you know, talking about it, you know, sitting around the lockers or whatever. It just it's a different time. It's a different time. And, it, and it's really difficult. And it just never really had that sticking point like it did back in the day so uh unfortunate but um i'm 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 glad to at least see that we do see companies investing in these types of ventures investing in this sector and i'm sure this won't be the last that we uh, uh, that we see um from something like that i would love what i'd really love to see kind of taken on the uh from a streamer 
kind of point of view is is like if they did have a show like that, but something that was more interactive with the audience, something where the audience could actually participate, right. I think would be really unique and 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 would definitely be attention grabbing. Or even if they like did prizes or, or or did like a little pop quiz or something like that. Like there's a number of things that they can do or, or that people can do in a big production style uh um setting that that folks are doing individually right now. So I think it's looking at some of that stuff and like you're saying where you could just go and watch somebody playing it live or or doing something live um i I think it's taking some of those elements and figuring out a way to incorporate it into a traditional broadcast setting you have to also realize there no matter what they do they're going to have trouble hitting the metrics because the u.s uses the imperial system (laughs) yeah exactly yep (laughs) yep (laughs) oh i welcome all the hate mail i'm about to get for that one Say uh, uh, that 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 last episode you guys had. We're gonna we're gonna need to talk about that. <laughs> you, you give me you give me an inch, I'm gonna take a kilometer. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see how um, what what comes future wise for uh, some of those things and and what they have planned uh, in terms of uh, uh, stuff like that. But this is not uh, unfortunately it's not a surprise to see this I'm, I'm curious to see where some of the folks land too because i know that there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of projects i'm sure that we're not even aware of yet that are underway so i'm sure a lot of these folks people are going to be looking and 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 they'll be looking for uh, uh work and stuff like that so hopefully they're able to attach themselves to some nice projects and i'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of them in the future uh doing things so you know the, the we're 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 going to move past this, though. Let's take a quick commercial break because uh, we want to talk about Sean and we want to see what Sean's got going on and everything that's happening. Plus uh, uh, Dicey Dungeons. So uh, uh, we'll be right back talking with Sean on the back end. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for listening to the short messages, everybody. And now comes the real fun part of the episode. And Sean, we could start in, I feel like, a million different places. <laughs> but let, let's go back. And I mean okay. that as a compliment. But let's go, let's go back. Hey, remind, I, I was having flashbacks to elementary school in the principal's office. Sean, I, we could start this from a million different places. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did what with the milk carton? Like... <laughs> <laughs> when when you first got into acting here was was it always the goal to kind of go down the the voice acting route or what kind of led you in that direction okay so i i'm pretty sure you may still be able to find this post if you search deep 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 i actually uh give me like 15 seconds of of searching yeah Oh my God! I am I am a Google Foo master. Are you kidding me? Okay, is there is there a chat where I can post something? Hold on, messages will appear. Here it is. Here is uh the wait. Did I did I yes? There is the Newgrounds thread that I wrote on April twenty seventh, two thousand and four. 18 oh, years wow. ago. I found that in less than 30 seconds, all right? I want you guys to know that I'm a <laughs> god at this. Yeah. That is this is the thread that I posted 
when I f- discovered voice acting, it was like, this is what I want to be doing. I'm trying to see. Yeah, I, I, I had uh, been trying it out for a couple of months because I discovered what voice acting was in December of 2007 during my, my winter break from school. And so January of 2007 uh, was when I officially started being a voice actor. And I at this point, uh, at the time that I made this thread, I was like, OK, I haven't gotten sick of it yet. This is definitely something I want to pursue. And the reason why I share it is because if you read that thread, you'll be like, I have found my life's calling. I know what I want to spend the rest of my life working towards. I want to be in an anime. Like, like, (laughs) not even like I want to voice a main character in an anime or like I want to be a recurring role in an anime. Just literally, I want to study and get better at this craft so that someday, someday I can be a character in an anime and then I can die happy. (laughs) And and I just think that's the funniest thing, considering what my portfolio has nowadays. But that that was really how it started was uh, I was on winter break and and I got super bored and I ended up browsing a bunch of things. Uh, Adult Swim was constantly marketing their website at the time. And mm-hmm. while browsing their website, I happened to come across a video that was showing uh, it was like a, a preview of an upcoming episode of Trinity Blood, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's basically a series about vampires killing vampires. And and it had a little behind the scenes extra that you could click on that showed Troy Baker back when Troy Baker did anime uh, in the booth recording <laughs> for his character. And that was the first time that I had ever seen like voice acting being done in person. And and it's funny because even before that moment, I would do stuff like playing Nintendo 64 games with my younger brother and we would take turns doing voices for the dialogue that didn't have voice acting in it. Yeah. But it, it wasn't until that moment with Troy Baker that I like realized that this was a thing people actually did, you know? So that that snowballed from there. Like that is what got me uh basically Stockholm syndrome addicted to the whole concept of the industry. <laughs> But that same passion, that same interest that made me want to pursue it from that moment is honestly what what generates a lot of my uh, effort and my focus in my career today. So it all it all boils down to just being super hyped about being a part of these things and hopefully someday getting to watch or play the things that I voiced in and be like, man, I'm part of it. You know, like I'm, I'm in it. I'm a part of this circle of life that's going on here. Well, is that, is that something, too, that, like, as far as, like, going and auditioning? Because I know back then it was a little more difficult where now people can have home studios and things like that. What did that process look like, say, uh, creating a, a, your reel or, or, or a demo or even doing your first audition for a role? Uh, you, sorry, you said the question was about the process of, like, doing a, an audition or doing my reel? Yeah, yeah. No, I've never been real. I'm a bad person to ask regarding templates for creating demo reels. <laughs> well, I can I can talk till the cows come home about like the process of making a good demo reel about, you know, making sure your strongest voices are up front, making sure that it shows a good variety of your range, um, making sure that it, it, it paints scenes in the middle of them already happening rather than, you know, just being cliche lines. But for mm. myself, you know, I'm not saying this is the most efficient way to do it. I actually don't think it is. But for myself, I kind of most of my demo reels have just ended up being compilations of voices from finished projects that I've already done. Uh, And I've always kind of devoted more of my time and energy, uh, time and energy to the individual auditions, because mentally I'm always like, okay, well, you know, 
a, a voiceover reel is a showcase of of what you can do under ideal conditions after it's been polished and it's been refined and you've had infinite chances to get the read done just the right way. And for some clients, that's great because I know that there's studios that want to cast off of demo reels so they don't have to listen to auditions. But right. I also know that a lot of clients are still going to want to hear auditions because to them, that project is unique. Their character is different. You know, they're not going to go and say, oh, we want you to do exactly the same voice that you did for this other role. You know, they're going to want it to be unique in some way. And and it is a lot harder to be able to do something fresh and off the cuff that strikes the client as interesting versus having a perfect demo reel that has these perfect uh, perfected voices and clean line reads and everything like that. So I have always ended up devoting my time and energy to being able to audition better, not only because it helps with the many, many, many clients that, that want unique reads and fresh reads for their projects, but also because it's a good indicator of how well you'll be able to take direction and make uh, adaptions on the flies. I, I always forget whether it's adaptions or adaptations. Make adjustments on the fly in the booth when the client gives you live feedback. And then when it comes to the auditions themselves, you know, you can ask 10 different actors how they approach auditions and get 11 different answers. Uh, for me, I guess, <laughs> no, I, I, try to, I try to give a good mix of, you know, what my heart is telling me versus what the specs are telling me. Because there are times when I've booked jobs by matching exactly what the client was asking for in the specs. And there are times when I booked a job because I turned out to completely ignore the specs or get it dead wrong but what I provided was so fun that the client had, they needed to use me. They were like, they, we can't throw this away. We have to incorporate this right. somehow. And I, I, if we end up touching back on that, I've got a story for that as well. Um, but that's why the miracle of two takes exists. You know, uh, with any given project, you know, a lot of clients encourage at minimum two takes if you're able to provide two wildly different interpretations. And so I kind of use that or if not abuse it because most of the time, what I'll do is when I look at audition sides for a character, I won't even read the text that is on the script the first time. Like, well, I mean, I'll read the script, but like the the additional character information and like right. lore, whatever, I won't read any of that. I will just look at the character's image. I'll look at maybe the description of the scene to get emotional context. And then I will do a first take just based off of what they look like to me, how I feel like they would sound based on the vibe of the scene. And then after I've done that take, after I've gotten that out, then I will go back and thoroughly read the sides and do a second take that is as honest to what the client is describing, what the client is asking for. And I specifically do it in that order because I'm worried if I do it the other way around, if I look at the specs first before doing my own take, there's that risk that like even my personal approach is going to be patterned based on what I know the client is looking for. So right. if I if I don't look at any of that from the beginning, if I just completely off the wallet based on my own interpretation, then it gives me that freedom to do what I want to do because there is no there is no getting in my own head about the specs that the client requested because I don't even know what they are yet. Right. So I, I do I think that is the best way to go about it? I don't know. It varies by studio and it varies by client. But I personally think it helps me stay enthusiastic about this career because I'm always given the chance, even if I'm, it's me giving myself the chance my, uh, on my own, I'm always given the chance to do what I want to do before I make sure to go back around and include something that the client Is may want specifically as well. Is there a character that you've well. done that like, had they gone with another version of your performance would have differed the most than, than what we saw in, in the final product? Oh, man. 
Uh, okay, so I, I understand your question. Uh, it's hard to answer because, like, uh, a lot of... First of all, I, there's many auditions that I don't remember what I did for the other mm. take. Uh -huh. um, but the one that I distinctly remember is when I first auditioned for Noob Saibot. For Noob Saibot in Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, the Dr. Claw voice. Everyone likes it. <laughs> uh, everyone, everyone... No, no. The, the, I talk about this a lot in panels because it's like... it's it's It's... The deep demonic voice. Almost anyone yeah. can do it. But can you do it for two hours straight? Can you do it for two <laughs> hours, multiple days in a row and not lose your voice? That's where the higher ability comes in. So I remember, because when I got the auditions for him, it was codenamed. So I didn't know what it was for. But the, the voice specs described it as ethereal, wraith-like, not of this world. And there's mm. and so there were two different ways I wanted to approach that, because when I thought of the word wraith like, you know, often wraiths are not very you think of like banshees. They're very high pitched. You know, they're not very mm. low and demonic. So I said, OK, for ethereal and wraith like, you know, we're going to go with something very wispy, like it rides on the wind, you know, like, you know, something mm. very creepy that. You know, you don't know where it's coming from. And I said, okay, so if that if that first take is very airy, very wispy, doesn't sound very strong, what's the exact opposite of that? Oh, well, we can do something very low, very guttural, very demonic. And um, this is where people often get messed up because they think that I pulled from Dr. Claw uh, to do that voice. But Dr. Claw is part of the world. He's part of Earth. You know, he's, he's constantly, it, it's Inspector Gadget. He's the right. uh, villain, too, right? So I was like, well, what's a character that has a deep demonic voice that's not of this world? And then I turned and looked at my copy of Shadow the Hedgehog for Nintendo GameCube featuring a <laughs> character named Black Doom, who you may know as being voiced by Sean Schemmel. And Black Doom is known for going, Shadow, you must collect the Chaos Emeralds. And I'm like, he's an alien. He's not of this world. Let's go for it. So I did my best impression of Black Doom from Shadow the Hedgehog, and that's how I booked uh, Noob Saibot in Mortal Kombat 11. That is awesome. So that that is definitely a case where it could have sounded extremely different. You know, can you can you even imagine like this 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 tall, dark, and brooding you know villain type walking into the arena saying, "I'm going to rip out your spine." <laughs> And, and then, you know, imagine imagine the Joker going, sounds like someone ripped out your lungs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one for free, Warner Brothers. <laughs> that is fantastic. Tell us, tell us, uh, I, I know that there is a there is a, a, a game that we were talking about that you've done. We were talking about some of your, your favorite uh, performances that, that you've done. Lay it on us, and for for those that the fans that that know Sean, you you may have heard him say this before, but but please tell tell us what that is. Uh, sorry, tell tell you what what is again? You said one of one of the uh, an underrated game that you've done that you voiced. Um, that I voiced. Okay. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> I, I, you already saw the gears turning, and you were like, "Hold on! Hold on!" Whoa! 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 Oh man! Underrated game that I have voiced that I would recommend to people. See, this is why I wish I voiced in something like Etrian Odyssey or Demon Gaze because I could talk about that like nonstop. All right, I'm going to have to do two different examples. One, one for the gameplay aspect and one for the story aspect. 
So mm-hmm. I I know this may seem like a cop out answer, me saying uh, the Trails of Cold Steel uh, uh, arc from the Legend of Heroes, where I voiced the main protagonist, Reen Schwarzer. But the reason why I recommend people play that game isn't because of me being in it or because of my performance. It's because it does something that I do not see very many games do that have multiple entries in a single arc. And that is, so So Legend of Heroes has several arcs. There's Trails in the Sky, Trails from Zero, which just came out recently or got localized recently. And then the one that I'm a part of is Trails of Cold Steel. The reason why I recommend them so much is because all of these arcs take place within the same universe. But more importantly, mm. with it, it, this is going to be several layers deep. So all of the arcs take place within the same universe. So they are constantly making mentions to or allusions to major events that affect characters in completely different arcs. So like in Trails of Cold Steel, they're making mentions of events in time or major characters that were plot relevant in Trails in the Sky. And and it ends oh. up being like in later games in the series, they end up having crossover points where they all have to work together or they get involved somehow. But then on the second layer, one one layer deeper within the games themselves, you have this continuing storyline, you know, Cold Steel 1, 2, 3, and 4, basically all continue where they left off or in shorter points of time. And so you get to see these characters develop over multiple games and, and you see a lot of recurring char- uh, characters as well. But that is where the third layer is so important is, uh, e- or I'm sorry, sorry. The second layer, what's important is you have these NPCs that are in game one who come mm-hmm. into game two. There's, there's, I think his name is Alan. Alan starts out as this pretty much completely unimportant NPC in, in Trails of Cold Steel 1. He's just there to, to flavor text the world. But in Cold Steel 2, he ends up like talking about how he's joining one of the military forces that you often interact with throughout the game. Then in game three... There's this whole side quest relating to him and his involvement in the military. And by the time you get to game four, this NPC Alan, who in game one had nothing unique to offer to the story besides helping to provide text about the town that they lived in, you know, just just flavor text, now now has a unique sideline about him being affected by the big bad of the series and you have to go on this multi-quest arc to basically knock him out of knock him out of it to bring him to his senses and help you know relieve him of this possession that's taken hold of him. So to go from being wow. just a minor NPC to a a uh, part of a relevant side quest that is directly tied to the main events of the story is unheard of. You know, over yeah. the course of four games. And that's just layer two. You get to layer three, and this is the one that the Trails series is most well known for. Probably a trope that you guys know very well from any RPG is you go to a new town, you talk to the characters, and they're like, hmm, the weather looks really nice today. Or they comment on, you know, the monsters outside of town have been getting more vicious. I hope they don't invade us or something like that. (laughs) But it doesn't, you know, you can go halfway through the game, come back to that town, they're going to say the same exact thing. Or you go to the end of the game, and then you go back to that town, and they're like, hmm, the weather sure is nice today. (laughs) Trails is infamous because after any major story beat, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, after any major story beat, you can go back to any part of the game that you're still allowed to access, and every single NPC will have new things to say. 
Interesting. It is, is crazy. It, it is it is such a big point, in fact, that later games in the series will actually make a mention of highlighting sections of the map that that you haven't like that still have things you haven't talked to people about yet. Mm-hmm. Because there if you I'm trying to think of an example in in Cold Steel Two, uh, or it's either Cold Steel Two or Cold Steel Three. There's this this brash girl and her younger brother who are talking about. Uh, I, I don't even remember what the side conversation is anymore. But the point is that throughout the entirety of the game, even though the their conversation and what they're working on isn't that relevant to the main story plot, if you go back between every major story segment in the game and talk to them again. You will hear new developments on whether the travel that they're doing or them trying to open up a new business. They always have time goes on. That's that's really what it all boils down to is three words. Time goes on and it goes on for every character in that universe, whether it's, you know, a a personal issue that they're having or a family member that they're worried about or uh, a business that they're running, I think I just said that the same thing, or or commenting on the political turmoil that's happening in the world. They always have unique things to say, and it, it, it really helps with this immersion of this world is alive. You know, right. these, char- these characters exist. It is affecting more people than just myself and the party that I'm running around with. And that is what I cherish so much, is because how many games can you honestly say that, you after a major event you are more excited to go back to all the previous areas you went through and see what people are going to say now than about continuing the story and 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 being the hero in the next section of the game right like yeah that is yeah that is amazing um for the performance aspect would have to be the remaster of crystal chronicles that came out a couple of years ago i were you guys fans of final fantasy crystal chronicles yes so, so, uh, that was that and Legend of Mana, you know, it, Legend of Mana was the PlayStation yeah. game and Crystal Chronicles was the Nintendo game or the GameCube game that I played nonstop throughout my childhood. And while it, I would consider it a niche release, I, I would be very surprised if the online community for the remaster was still alive at this point, but to become a part of a game that defined my childhood to get to voice among other characters, because I voiced three in the game, uh, uh, Stiltskin, the the Moogle who serves as your tutorial guide and then follows you throughout the game. Not not the Moogle that literally follows you, but Stiltskin basically shows up in every major like transition area of the game, uh, mm-hmm. including the final area. To be there with the player from the beginning to the end and get to hear myself performing and get to hear myself be a part of describing the lore of that world I broke down crying the first time that I played the game on stream. There's, I, this is actually, a, it's a permanent VOD on my Twitch channel. The evening that it came out, I meant to just do an overnight stream of seeing, oh, let's see how far we can get. That turned into a 19 and a half hour stream of me beating the game in a single sitting, playing wow. solo. Uh, which, let me tell you, when you do the final area at the earliest point that you can do it with one character... It is hard. It is very <laughs> difficult. But I did it. I pulled it off. So, but that is the one where the I'm just super happy to be a part of that universe where I'm I'm so amazed that 
it's now a permanent part of my legacy, you know? Like I'm I'm never mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to say or I'm I'm never going to say never, you know? There's always the chance that it gets new life another 20 years from now when it gets brought to a digital store and maybe they they make a remake of it with all these new enhancements and stuff like that. So I'm not going to say I'm the only person that's ever going to voice those characters, but it's the fact that within my lifetime that I got to witness becoming a part of something that meant so much to my younger self. Is is that something, let me ask, is that something that like when you're, when you're reading or, 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 and, and you're getting in and then, and then you're recording the lines, is there ever any kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm, I'm playing this character, like, or any nerves oh, yeah. that come up or you oh, just. Yeah. And I'm always scared. Mm-hmm. It's never, it, it is, it is never at the time that I'm recording for that character. It is never a sense of, oh my God, you know, I remember playing this game and, uh, uh, by the way, what's, what's the language rating on this? Are we, uh, can we be adults here? We could, we can, we could beep it. Okay. Okay. So, so it is never the sense of, oh my God, you know, I remember playing this game. You know, I remember this character. This is going to be so much fun. It's, oh man. I really hope I don't fuck this up for everyone that enjoyed this game when they were growing up. No, like, like that's how I felt about when, when I finally clued in and realized it was going to be for Breath of the Wild, of all things. Yeah. It was not a sense of, oh, my God, I'm going to be part of the first canon-voiced Zelda game. It was, oh, shit. I'm going to be part of the first canon voice Zelda game. <laughs> and the only other template people have to reference it to is the CDI games. Oh, God. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and you know, I, this, is, this kind of ties into the previous answer I just gave. I was once a kid in Toys R Us, permanently hurting his neck, craning it upwards for 25 minutes straight, mm-hmm. playing Ocarina of Time while my parents were shopping around. I remember meeting the great deco tree for the first time in a in a corporate store and now as far as i'm aware i'm the only known english voice for the great deco tree and as mm-hmm. cool as that is it's also scary as hell because what if people listen to that performance and go that's not how i imagine the great deco tree sounding <laughs> childhood literally ruined that was the first dungeon i ever did you know Ugh. So it's 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 terrifying, but it's also high risk, high reward. You know, when yeah. when the finished game comes out and people actually really enjoy, I still get comments of like, you know, people saying Rivali is my favorite champion, and, and specifically because he's such an asshole uh, that he's so <laughs> memorable. It it does give me a sigh of relief, and I'm so glad that that my passion and my hard work and the fact that I cared about it as much as a fan as I did as a professional ended up paying off for me. Perfect. You know, you have obviously touched on a lot of of really amazing series uh, that I think a lot of people hold dear to them. Uh, Another one that that I kind of wanted to bring up, uh, and it's a character that uh, I've always loved, uh, is Spider-Man. And I I always feel like that must be challenging because not only have we gotten multiple iterations, uh, you know, on in cartoons and movies, but also even in games now. So when you approach a character like that, uh, I mean, obviously, you know that people have their their quote, their favorite Spider-Man, their Spider-Man, however you want to put it. Like, what do you do to try and bring something different and while also realizing that 
that there's a with these well-known characters there's a lot of preconceived notions that people have about sure sure so i even now i'll say that i'm unsure of how my spider-man was received i think it's kind of like in that straight in the middle where there's the cap of people who love it and there's the cap of people who are like not my spider-man hashtag Mm -hmm. you know but um so the the big problem for me was exactly what you described. When I started out, it was like, oh my god, you know, I'm I'm playing the same character that's been played by the likes of I think Robbie Damon and and Yuri Lowenthal and Tom Holland and you know all of these incredibly talented and incredibly attractive people. Um, <laughs> you know how 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 am I going to follow in those footsteps? You know, do I belong here? You know, did they make the right choice? But as I started recording for the game, and I'll be honest, like when the like the first session that we did, when we ended up playing it back, it sounded super anime. And I'm, I'm willing to say that because um, we went back and we after I heard it, I was like, you know what? Now that I understand this character better, I think I can give a better performance. Let's tackle it again. And we did. But I went through all those questions of, of you know, do I belong here? You know, am I out of my element? But as we did the scenarios for the game, I was like, this is exactly what Peter's experiencing. Like, literally, he, he mm-hmm. spends most of his story arc being on the, the helicarrier going, you know, do I belong with these people? You've got Captain America, who is the quintessential American hero. You've got Thor, you know, who's the protector of this entire realm. You've got Black Widow, who's the most, you know, trained individual that I've ever come across. Who am I among these people? Do I have, right. do, I, do I deserve to be a hero? And so as soon as I realized that, I was like, why don't I take all of this fear, uncertainty, and doubt that I have about my ability to play this role and pour that into understanding Peter's fear, uncertainty, and doubt about belonging as part of the Avengers. And as, mm-hmm. soon, as, I, as soon as I literally used my own reservations to match Peter's reservations, it, it was like night and day. It's like I clicked into the character because instead of being worried about that nervousness feeding into my performance, I let it bleed into the performance because that's how someone fresh out of college being unsure of their place in this world would probably sound. So yeah, he does sound a little higher pitched. He does sound a little more nervous, which people could see as being a weakness in a hero. But I also think that makes him a little bit more honest, a little bit more real, where he isn't perfect. He isn't, you know, as resolute as someone like Captain America or Thor would be. And that's what makes him more... Uh, applicable to audiences is because he he has growing to do he still has a a a big set of shoes to step into and i'm proud of that i'm proud that i allowed myself to be vulnerable that i allowed myself to give a performance that might not be a winner in everyone's books because it was something true to what i could offer and i can truly say that i brought myself into it instead of just imitating somebody else I love it. I love it. And, you know, only because I, I, I there's so many games that we could bounce to. So I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm just jumping. But uh, let's talk about Gunvolt 3, because, you know, obviously a recent release, uh, a, a great series. I think, you know, it's it's got it obviously a, a beloved series among its its fan base there. Talk to us about about bringing that to life like what was that process like in 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 crafting that voice i think uh, so i enjoyed it for multiple reasons one is because it was a voice type i haven't done very often so i will often do you know low and brooding characters that are like very baritone very serious or i'll do like high energy comedic relief characters but it was interesting to play someone like gunvolt who was like right in the middle where 
you know, he's he's younger, he's higher pitched because he's a teenager in the games, I believe. Mm -hmm. But he's also very desensitized, very disillusioned with the world. So he often ends up talking like this. You know, he's he's uh, he's youthful, but he's also very serious about the mission that he has to do. And getting to hear that gravel come out in the in the finished product, like when they when they uh, equalized everything and boosted it up. Oh, it sounds so good. Like. I, I really enjoyed getting to play uh, a, uh, a protagonist of that type. I also like that Gunvolt has enough of a fan base and has enough of a following that they're able to uh, publish these games on larger consoles. You know, I know that it wasn't the first uh, Gunvolt franchise game that was voiced, because I know that uh, Luminous Avenger 9 was the first one that had voice acting. But I'm mm -hmm. glad that they decided to take that chance to say, you know, people really enjoyed it. We have the budget for it. Let's have that happen for Gunvolt 3 as well. And, and I'm even more honored that they entrusted me with the first voiced iteration. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I think it's the first voiced game iteration of Gunvolt. Because I'm pretty sure he had like an OVA or something that was voiced as well. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'd have to do my research on that. That was just one of those cases where like, I, I'm grateful because I know that it, it was it helmed by Keiji Nafune or was this just uh, directed by him or was he involved with it at all? I feel like I, I'm gonna have to look this up. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. I don't want to be spouting Keiji Nafune, uh, Gunvolt. Okay, yes, 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 yes. It says uh, with support from Keiji Nafune and Hiroki okay. Miyazawa. Okay, so I don't know what support means. Uh, I'm gonna see. KG Unifuni and Inti Create. So I don't know if he's just an assistant or developer, whatever. The point being, as someone who's a big Mega Man fan, the fact that this had the blessing of and, and support of, mm -hmm. you know, the man responsible for that is a huge deal to me. Um, visually, I love the design. I love how flashy it is. You know, if you have you guys had a chance to hear the, the finished voiced cutscenes? No, I like, have not. Honestly, after this, or if you end up slotting it in and just doing like a 30 second clip, Go find one of the boss fights, like even like the first boss fight of the game from Gunvolt 3. You can tell that it's this game that's full of just energy, not necessarily like aggression and hyperactivity, but just energy, like the crackling energy of the electricity that Gunvolt uses, whether it's from the main characters, whether it's from the bosses, you know, it doesn't try to paint itself as a super serious, super gritty game. It's mm -hmm. anime characters in their anime world doing anime things and calling each other out. And it's so fun because of that. And you can tell that the cast is aware of this as well. And they're just like, cool, I get to be this guy who has control over electricity. I get to be this, you know, love struck man who's trying to beat you up because he feels like you're stealing his girlfriend. And also I can summon pillars of flame. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so over the top. And the cast members, I know, I know a lot of these colleagues embraced it and had fun with it in, in the vein of their character's personality type. And it's just fun to listen to. So I strongly recommend that anyone who is is, is, is a big fan of flashy uh, platforming jump and shoot games give Gunvolt a chance and especially gives Gunvolt 3 a chance because I think it has this amazing mix of a passionate voiceover cast and performance with a game that is not afraid to just throw a bunch of stuff at you because it wants to leave you feeling like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but that was cool. So <laughs> like, like, like the Nero fight in, in final fantasy seven, uh, integrate in the remake. I've mm -hmm. had so many people be like, Hey, I just want you to know, I still can't beat your boss fight. I have no idea what's going on at the screen at any given time, but it's <laughs> fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> 
That is awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Is it now? Is that something that someone would have to go back and and play uh, the first two before moving on to this, or or is it something that somebody that hasn't played them before can just jump into? I feel like Inti Creates in general, or a lot of games of this type, are pretty good at giving you a good synopsis of what happened if you haven't played the previous games. Obviously, mm. if you do play the previous games, you're gonna get the full experience. You know, for example. Um, I'm trying to remember what I recommended from someone who I said you should play the first one in the series. Hold on, now now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> well, a, a big example is like Etrian Etrian uh, Odyssey Nexus um, was mm. a a send off love letter that drew from all the other Etrian games in the franchise. It was not necessary to play the previous games to enjoy the story of Nexus because it had its own incorporated plot. But the more of previous Etrian games you had played, the more of the references the ca- that you caught, the more of the dungeons that you remembered, the more right. music tracks you know you got to enjoy because you you remembered what the original sounded like, and now you got to hear it remixed. So I would say it's in the same vein as that, where you don't need to play the previous ones, but if you are willing to make the time investment, you will find more to appreciate when you get around to Gunvolt Three. All right. And, and 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 let me ask you, you know, just just especially uh, doing dubs and, and doing a lot of anime and, and things of that nature, um, going from uh, the original language and, and, and bringing it over to English. Is there any kind of like, do you take a look and see what they did originally or is it just strictly based off of, you know, what you're experiencing as the character and what you're seeing, obviously with the script and stuff like that too, or is it kind of a mix of both? It varies. It varies depending on the client. It varies depending on the studio. I've had plenty of jobs where it's like, we want to match the Japanese voice and timing as specifically as possible. Mm-hmm. And I've had cases like with, uh, uh, with remake where they were like, okay, so here's what the Japanese did, but we don't want to go that high energy with it. We want to make this more grounded and natural. So, you know, maybe we can use it as like a, a pitch placement for the age of the character, but do not follow the the level of aggression that this role had or something like that. So it's 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 a case by case. And that's part of why I enjoy the industry so much is because I never know going into the booth what is going to be expected of me. But that's kind of what helps keep me on my toes, keeps my brain thinking, keeps me young uh, in terms of of firing off the neurons of my two brain cells as much as possible. <laughs> I, I do have a, a question I'm going to sneak in here that's that's probably a little silly, but I remember reading, I think I think it was on Twitter, I think you would reply to somebody's tweet um, about while you were recording for The Last of Us Part 2, uh, there was <laughs> an incident oh, yes. that ended up making it into the game. Oh, uh, yes. So... Can can like can I get the can we get the backstory into what what exactly <laughs> led up to that? Okay, so I am going to preface this by saying this was not forced upon me. Okay, like <laughs> no 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 because because I know there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the games industry and on Twitter right now about you know companies taking advantage of actors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to preface this by saying that Naughty Dog was not in any way responsible for this happening. They did not push me to a point that made this happen. This was my personal choice of how all in I was going on some of these lines. And they were very like, they were very kind to me about checking in, see if, seeing if I needed breaks, about giving me a break after this occurred. So I cannot emphasize enough that that this was all my own doing, okay? So with okay. that in mind, 
So as you may imagine, with games like Last of Us and Last of Us 2, a lot of those games will have all sorts of battle efforts. You need to make noises for, you know, having your head bashed in with a, with a, a sledgehammer, for getting your throat slit. Uh, one of the first times people heard me in Last of Us 2 actually wasn't when the game came out. It was when the E3 trailer was debuted, where I'm the voice of the guy getting his abdomen sliced open and his entrails pulled out uh, before being set on fire. Mm-hmm. So I had to do all of that in the studio. So um, this was, and, and that kind of stuff can really take a toll on your throat. So in this particular scene, we were doing an effect for your throat. Uh, you've been grabbed from behind, your throat has been slit, and you are now choking to death on your own blood before collapsing. Uh, it, it was a whole thing. Like there will be times where they have a, a production video of the character doing that in the game, and you need to match the timing of that action right. happening. So it's it's a three-part process. It isn't just we're going to do you choking, then we're going to do your throat getting slit noise. You have to do all of it in a single setting. Mm-hmm. So what many people don't know and how I know I'm straight is that my gag reflex is shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if I make the sound of, then after like five seconds of it, like my throat, I'll start gagging for real. You can hear my tongue. <laughs> you probably already heard my tongue kind of locking up in the back of my mouth. It also caused problems when I would listen to like playbacks of my performance in ReZero because if my character was choking to death on blood or like throwing up and they would play it back three, four, six times while making sure it was lined up, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> so, so I'm in the middle of doing the sound effect of of having my throat slit for like uh, the second or third take. And all of a sudden I feel myself go. Ugh, and then I actually <laughs> threw up. I had had chicken noodle soup prior to that session because I wanted something light to cool my throat. And I remember <laughs> this is the funniest fucking thing. I, I feel myself go. And a single fully intact noodle <laughs> they, it, it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like a spaghetti string noodle it was like one of those bow tie noodles and a, <laughs> a single fully intact bow tie noodle just out of my mouth into my hands <laughs> along with a little bit of soup and i'm sitting here holding the soup in my like it's a newborn child and what was even better what was even better is the way that we did recordings for those is because there were a lot of partner scenarios where we had to you know call and respond to someone else within the scene so i had a scene partner standing literally oh, two no. feet to my right <laughs> hold on this is the best part to me but my scene partner was someone who liked to like listen into the sounds and then kind of formulate how they were going to make it when it was their turn so my scene partner, completely unaware of what has actually happened, has his eyes closed going, mm, ooh, yeah, oh, that, that, that sounded so, that was really good. You know, like, not actually saying it, but, like, you can see the nods in his head of, like, ooh, that, I got to steal that. You know, I got to borrow from that. <laughs> but he doesn't even look over until, <laughs> I know, he doesn't even look over until I'm like, uh, Hey, uh, I am so sorry about this. I just want to let you guys know. Like, I'm literally like walking over to the trash can and just kind of yeah. like I, I think a little of it got on the music stand. I'm just letting you know you you may want to clean it extra good after the session. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And uh, after the after like a moment of collecting myself, the director 
punches in. They use their button that lets them talk through the studio, and he goes, boop. All right, so I'm going to let you know that is not the first, nor is it the last time that we have had something like, that we'll have something like this happen in the studio. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're not alone. I just want to make sure that you're okay. We're going to take a break. However, I do want you to know that you are so far the first and only person to have stayed on mic the entire time that you did that. <laughs> so we got it and we checked it and uh, it's clean, uh, unlike your hands. And uh, <laughs> if we have your permission, we we're ready to put this in the finished product. And I went, if you got it, I'm not I'm getting paid for it. You can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> so if you play if you play The Last of Us 2 part two and you happen to hear a guy who sounds like he's violently throwing up and you're like, wow, they, they that sounded so realistic. <laughs> it just might be. Uh that might be, I mean, obviously it's an amazing series, but that might be my favorite behind-the-scenes story from that from that series. I think I'll ever, my, I'm ever gonna hear my personal favorite. I'll tell one more because I, I, it was the thing that I said if we touch on it later. So remember when I was talking about the auditions and how sometimes you can cast by not following the directions at all? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so there was this. I think it's for a Command and Conquer game. I'm pretty sure it's out at this point because I know people have talked about hearing it. Um, but it was this Command and Conquer game and the audition sides that I got described it as being, because they use a lot of mech units, you know? And Mm. they described this unit as being like a mech unit that had been repurposed to be an electronic dance music robot. Like, like the speakers, you know, the same robot that has like little uh, things that pop up to fire missiles also can pop up speakers to play music really loudly. And so... Mm. My immediate thought was to go for, I want to go for ja, one of those EDM people who's like, we are ready to pump it up. Let's go. <laughs> you, know, you know, like like the people you'd expect in a nightclub in Switzerland or something like that. And what I later found out was when uh, the when the director of the game heard that audition, they were not impressed at all they were like this isn't even remotely close to what i asked for because <laughs> because what they wanted it's like it's like this does not fit the style of the game it doesn't fit the atmosphere this is you know it's it's funny but i'm not i'm not using it you know it completely missed the point of the specs the sound engineer who after who had up until this point been listening to weeks upon weeks of you know hard grizzled veterans you know mm-hmm. catch the point fire the missiles, take them out, you know, stuff like that. Who suddenly listens to this man go, oh no, my mech, what is happening to me? (laughs) Is losing his mind. Just absolutely losing it, begging them like, please, please, you have to put this in. Like, how (laughs) funny would it be for them to have all these serious units and then all of a sudden, here comes, you know, Vortrig out of nowhere (laughs) in his his sound speaker mech, you know, here to bring the vibes. And the director (laughs) relents and goes, all right, you know what? Fine, fuck it. Let's throw it in. And so... (laughs) Like, like, I can't even be mad. I'm not even mad about the concept that it literally may have just been a fuck it. Let's let's give this one to them because right. I still got paid. I still got to come in and literally play this super not serious character in a in a war grizzle game. And I love it. I love it because I love that I got to do that voice and have it be in an official project. That is amazing. <laughs> did, OK, really so when when you did that audition, did you like 
in between did you go back and and realize oh that might not have been what they wanted uh was i'm sorry go ahead and re- uh repeat oh yeah, that yeah. Question. so when so you after you auditioned for that role initially did you have like a moment of like realization that maybe maybe that both, wasn't both my brain what, cells were tired out from doing that voice so i wasn't even remote i i guess honestly when i think back to then i think that was my honest interpretation of it. Like, I didn't know what type of game it was for. I thought they were seriously looking for the stereotypical EDM DJ. So that's what mm-hmm. I went for. Maybe I didn't read the specs thoroughly enough, or maybe uh, I I did read the specs, but I just didn't, I hadn't figured out what client it was for or what time of feel they were going for. But mm-hmm. sometimes that happens. Sometimes not having, uh, or not, uh, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Sometimes it can be really freeing to have misunderstood something because it it gives you a chance to give a performance that is not exactly the same as what most people are going to be sending in who did immediately understand. We're like, oh, they want this. They're looking for this. So that's very cool. That is very cool. And and and. Quickly to you before we head off, uh, there is also, we talked about this uh, beforehand, uh, before we started recording, but uh, Dicey Dungeons, uh, lay that on us. You said you said it's just out, or it's out on uh, uh, Switch now as well, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's been on Steam and on Switch, but it's only on okay. sale on Switch right now, where it is $2 instead of 15 And the reason why that's important is because Dicey Dungeons has the main game, which I can already tell you, is worth $2 in terms of the amount of content, but also had two expansions. I think it was called Reunion, and there was a Halloween update that are also part of it for free. So you get that for the $2 that it currently costs on Nintendo Switch. And I recommend, the way that I talk about it is anyone who's familiar with Slay the Spire or any of those types of games that involve deck building and where you have to kind of piece together your attacks based on stuff you find along the way, uh, it is that, but with dice rolls. But it's got, like, I think six different characters that each have their own unique mechanics and gimmicks that you have to use those dice rolls to work around. The soundtrack is great. It's made by the same guy who did VVV, VVV, if you're familiar with that at all, the the game where you have the, the sprite astronauts that, like, flip their gravity up and down all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so got that same level of, like, uh, uh, fun and strategy and comedy. It's... I, I've been playing it nonstop anytime I'm not doing work, and I can't recommend it enough. Is, yeah, I'm at that. I mean, you can't beat that price either. And if it's a if it's a solid game, I and feel, you're getting everything, you know, I feel like I cheated them by buying it for two dollars. Like, <laughs> I absolutely, in a heartbeat, would have felt like my money was well spent if I'd bought it at full price. So, if you right. buy it and you end up enjoying it as much as I did, like consider going and buying the album on on Bandcamp or something like that and supporting them that way. Or or buying a bunch of extra copies and giving them out to people because, ugh, ugh, I, I've I am really glad that I found this game because it's been filling all of my free time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. John, yo, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us, you know, lay it on us. Where where can people find you? Where can they find your work? All that good stuff. Lay it on us, brother. I'm I'm Sonic Mega pretty much anywhere. Uh, you know, on Twitter, on Twitch, on OnlyFans, on SoundCloud, you know, anywhere <laughs> you can find me on, as Sonic Mega. Uh, Twitter is mostly where you're going to find about, about a convention announcements, about new role announcements that I'm allowed to talk about. Twitch is where I play games that both I enjoy and that the community requests of me. 
Um, it, the Twitch is very much just a community thing. Like, it's not my main mm-hmm. source of income. If you see the mo- one of the most recent broadcasts is me plugging my chat to help me pick my headshots. And uh, <laughs> no, no, dude, it's worth it. There's if you go to the clips, you got if you can filter by clips oh, or oh. something like that. There's a clip where I had three, uh, three images in a row where if you cycled between them, it there we go. I think it's is it Sean Quest? Yes, <laughs> I play the Brody Quest song. <laughs> <laughs> this is just what i do on my streams i love it oh my god so so if you're in for a good time if you want something that you can keep in the background much like this podcast then uh then i would strongly or what is this does this qualify as a podcast it's a video recording what it it is a podcast podcast it is yeah yeah uh, my stream's the same way, where it's just something that I got into because of the pandemic, and now it's helped me play a lot of games I might not have gotten around to otherwise, or showcase games that I want people to know about, such as Dicey Dungeons. And uh, those those are probably the main two, would be Twitch or Twitter. But I also have a Discord community that is full of incredibly talented people. And if you're looking for for another group to hang out with, you know, give it a give it give it a consideration. That is awesome. I gotta ask one last I gotta ask one last question real quick. What is the name of your community? Uh, it is the Megastars stream server, but it's always been permanently called the Megastars Shinx server because I'm such a big fan of the Luxray line. Um, nice. I'm trying to think probably one of the easiest ways is to tune into my Twitch and ask for, you know, I'll, I'll grab a link. Hold on. Uh, but, uh, when is this going live later today or when is this going live? This will be live on uh, Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah. very, so very recent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go here invite people edit invite link and i will get generate a seven day link so by the time this goes live this will still be eligible for about five days but there is an there is an invite link that will be good for about uh five days from the time this goes live that people can use to join the community excellent thank you so much again sean we appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much my friend yeah man thanks for making the time this was this was really fun and really funny and i love your guys's energy i appreciate it awesome lucas what do you, what do you got going on this weekend my friend uh more gaming uh we're getting some some housework done during the week so i am looking forward to just a weekend of of doing nothing we're getting some painting done uh so we're gonna have people in and out for a couple days no, I'm saying like which one are you doing chores or are you doing like house expansions and like remodeling and stuff? Oh, like so that? like like we're getting like the whole insides done, like like walls, uh everything. Like so all, cool. all of the indoors are our garage and all that stuff. Like it's it's okay. uh, oh, wow. uh it's a multi day uh endeavor that we've embarked on. Uh and a lot of like tarp over stuff. Like it's I'm just ready for it to be done. <laughs> it yeah. was the first day that we're recording, so it hasn't even really started, but I'm already ready to just be done <laughs> and do nothing this weekend. Absolutely nothing. What about you, Ryan? Uh, you know what it is. I'll be, I'll be playing games, uh, keeping it chill. We still got to I'm terrible. We still have to put up our Halloween decorations. Uh, so we'll probably work that in this weekend as well. But for the most part, I'm, I'm going to still try to recover from TwitchCon and, and, uh, chill out a little bit and not really do much. So that should be nice. And we hope you guys 
Have a chill rest of your week as well. Don't forget, hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod at Lucas Egan or at Smitty2447. Thank you guys again so much for joining us and listening this week. Like I said, we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you already know what it is. We love your faces. Let's <laughs> go.